Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura, and I will say good morning because as I am recording this, this is a Sunday morning. And what we are going to do today is go over the discussion that our group had as we read, I guess what you could call part two of Hour Six of Learn the Bible in 24 Hours by Chuck Missler. And this discussion was a recap of what was talked about for judges and then discussing the story in the book of Ruth. Now, first off, we discussed the fact that um, Chuck Missler brings up the point that the judges were not overlords or, or making decisions in the sense of court judges like we think of in our society, but they were leaders who were raised up for specific purposes, and that seems quite clear from the text. However, one thing that we did take issue with is the way that a certain statement is often evaluated in this book, and that is the quote, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is very often taken as a statement to prove that they needed a leader and that God was setting them up for a king to rule because, you know, everybody on earth needs a king. But rather, if you look at the whole context, it is more saying that they did what was right in their own eyes versus the things that God had told them were right to do. So it was not an indictment against them not having leadership, but it was an indictment um, stating their rebellion against God. And in fact, you could go further to point out, um, because God says later in to Samuel that they were rejecting God, not Samuel, when they asked for a king, that the completion of the statement is them asking for a king. They were doing that because that was what is right in their own eyes. One thing that stands out in both the book of Judges and the book of Ruth is that God is constantly looking for ways to save his people from their own destructive choices. If they would only turn to him, follow him, he has all the power and the grace and the strategies needed to get them out of whatever quagmire they have created for themselves. Then the other main thing that we talked about is this weird story at the end of the book of Judges where um, the concubine is killed and the rest of Israel goes up and practically slaughters all of the tribe of Benjamin. And it is an example of the fact that tribalism is not new. There is nothing new under the sun. And also, if you look at the sheer numbers of the people involved in that battle, this was not just a small battle between a couple of clans of 20 people or something. In Judges chapter 20, starting with verse 1, Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was assembled as one man, from Dan even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead, to Yahweh at Mitzpah. The chiefs of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen who drew the sword. Then later in that same chapter in verse 35, it said that 
25,100 men of Benjamin were destroyed that day. So we're not talking about just a little tiny battle here. Now, Judges doesn't end on a super happy note, even though there's some reconciliation between the tribe of Benjamin and the rest of Israel, and they find wives for the 600 men or so that are left. But then we get into the book of Ruth, which is a happy story, a, a wonderful love story. Some of the things that we highlighted in the discussion that were not fleshed out quite the same way in the book were that just interesting side question, how old was Boaz? It doesn't mention if he had any other wives at all. And then the fact that this whole thing, this whole interaction that took place had a very business-like nature and that love was a choice that everyone who was involved made. One person summarized Boaz's reaction to Ruth Um, appealing to him on the threshing floor was, I do like you, but let's do things the right way in a way that acknowledges the interconnectedness and family-oriented impact that this would have. Then our discussion went into uh, talking about the balance between taking action based on godly principles and versus relying on God's leading, uh, that the idea of passively waiting constantly for God to tell us exactly what to do is often uh, religiously masqueraded as faith when it's really just being lazy. There is always some action that we can take in faith and trust His grace. Again, as we're talking about doing things according to His principles, uh, we don't need to be constantly living in fear that we're going to mess up His plan. Uh, One example of this is the parable of the coins. Uh, The one wicked servant was told that it was wrong for him to just bury them and be worried about judgment, but he was supposed to put the resources that he had to work. But on the other hand, we don't want to be like Rebecca and Esau, who try to further their promise with scheming, or Abram and Sarai, who took the attitude that, oh, maybe God got it wrong, or we need to take actions into our own hands. That's not the same thing along the same lines of being tempted to live in fear about doing things wrong. Some people act like Satan is under every rock, but we need to remember there's plenty of proof. Um, God is more powerful, and we need to keep our eyes on God, not on the enemy and all the things that he's trying to cause use to cause fear in us. And one of the tactics that Satan uses is a distortion of God's gifts. Just because sin distorts the perfection of everything that God has created doesn't mean his creation and his gifts are in any way harmful. It just means that people can use God's gifts wrongly. Along the same lines, we as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, don't just accidentally fall into great sin. By his Holy Spirit, wisdom and truth guide us and we aren't going to be hurt by the wiles of the devil uh, unless we believe them and are taking part in them and acting on them as truths. Someone quoted from a book by Madeline Engel uh, called Walking on Water, and the summary of that is that freedom is a terrible gift, and we are given freedom in Christ, and there can be a certain agony then in the choices he gives us. So becoming a follower of Christ does not mean that we are put into this mold and we have to follow this religious outline for what our lives could be, but we are given freedom. 
Some in our group have seen people reject the promises of God and the the salvation of Jesus Christ because of this freedom being scary. And much like some of the people in the New Testament, people don't want the freedom. They want to be given the bread. They want to be taken care of on a level that does not involve relationship and living in faith. Someone brought up the point that cults twist the idea of faith and overemphasize and distort this idea of protection so that people aren't living in freedom and aren't living in the freedom of association either. The cult is there to help and guide them, and there is no leading of individuals by the Holy Spirit as there is in the Bible. Some highlights of the story that we particularly enjoyed understanding was that the hem of the garment that Ruth put herself under was a symbol of authority. And this is an analogy of the right kind of protection that we get from God, from Jesus Christ himself. And then also the fact that it talks about Boaz actually purchasing Ruth as his bride. And then, of course, there's the very strange supposed prayer of blessing that all of the wives give to Ruth when she bears a child, and they are comparing her to Tamar, who actually came and got pregnant uh, by being a prostitute with her father-in-law. We're not sure we completely understand what this is all about, but at the very least, it highlights the fact that Ruth and Boaz's son Obed was of the line of Judah and was a predecessor to David, and also the interesting little fact that Boaz's mother was Rahab. So that's a wrap-up of that discussion, and next time it will be Hour 7, which covers a lot, Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 